Inside Books with Breda Brown. Welcome to Inside Books, a programme about the magical world of writing. I'm Breda Brown and in each episode of Inside Books we chat to people associated with the world of books, including well-known authors, publishers, editors, agents, critics, booksellers and more. You'll find Inside Books on all audio platforms and our Twitter handle is at InsideBooksIRE where you'll also find lots of other interesting books news. My guest today is Catherine Kerwin, a crime writer who originally hails from Waterford and now lives in Cork. She studied law at UCC and now works as a solicitor in a general practice in Cork. Catherine has also been very involved over the years in the arts sector in Cork and has served on a number of different boards, including the Cork Theatre Company, Corka Dorka. Her first book, Darkest Truth, was published in 2019 and centred on a super sleuth solicitor based in Cork called Finn Fitzpatrick. Her second novel, which also features Finn, is called Cruel Deeds and is out now. So, Catherine, a Cork-based solicitor. Now, where have I heard that before? Yeah, well, she's not me, Breda, honestly. <laughs> I and don't I believe know, you. <laughs> yeah, I know, um, but she's uh, she's a little bit taller than me. She's certainly thinner than me. She's fitter. Uh, she's a lot braver than I am. But I suppose, obviously, she has some things in common with me. But, you know, nevertheless, uh, she's braver, but she's also more reckless than me. And, um, yeah, but I guess there's got to be some... Our life experiences do have something in common, of course, you know. But this is what they say. They do say write about what you know, and that's what you've done. Yeah, and it's kind of like Catherine Ryan Howard says, use what you know you know so kind of ramble like kind of work it into your plots and all of that so because of the fact that I have all that experience of working in an office although our office is quite different to the one in the book uh, our office is a much smaller office very traditional whereas this is a much the, the one in the book is much more high powered um rich clients lots of kind of room and loads and loads of employees so there's lots of room for intrigue and strange happenings and that's really what I wanted to bring into the book you know our office is a lot duller than that you know it has to be said it's just more ordinary. (laughs) But I assume though it also means though the research for the book was much easier because you are a legal expert. Uh, well, I, I wouldn't. Uh, yeah, OK. I don't know if I'd call myself an expert, but of course I have worked in, in as a solicitor a long time. So I suppose I know about how to be a solicitor and about our about how a solicitor would react and um, perhaps not in the way that somebody might think, you know, uh, as things happen because um, a lot of the times you'd be thinking about ethics and can I do this or can't I do it or, you know, things that if it happened to a lay person, they would automatically just be able to go off and tell somebody else about it. When it happens to a solicitor, you're bound, if it's in the course of your duties, you're bound by things like client confidentiality. So you're inhibited in, in how, how what you can do. So if like Finn, you're investigating a crime, um, you have to kind of do it in a sort of more roundabout way, um, I guess, you know. Of course, I have never investigated a crime. I hasten to add, Brida, you know, <laughs> this is all made up, you know. You're, li- you're living in your head and that's a great place to be. And then I suppose yeah. when, you, when you did start writing then, and we, we'll come back to how you did start um, in, in a couple of minutes. So why then, why did you decide to set the books in the law world as opposed to something else? 
Uh, okay, so I, I guess I'm a late starter, you know, I was well into my 40s before I wrote a single word, even though I had thought about it for a very long time, you know. Um, and then once I got started, I got start, you know, I kind of moved very fast then. And like, I kind of, I started writing in September and by November I decided, okay, I'm going to write a crime novel. And that crime novel eventually got published not so, you know not that long afterwards I suppose um and it's kind of I suppose it's unusual that the first book you write a gets finished and b gets published um so and why did I start doing it I kind of thought um I suppose when I I made the decision I'll I'll do I, I remember exactly the first novel and starting it off and I decided I'm going to write a crime novel and I came home from work one Friday evening and I said I have to just try and get rid of all the obstacles um to me writing um so I I said okay well she's not going to be a guard because I don't know what it is to be a guard so I'll make her a solicitor and I decided very kind of because I was starting the book on a Friday evening I said okay I'll open the book on a Friday evening. So I just so that I could remove all the obstacles so that there would be nothing else for me to do except write. And it, so that it would be a world that I would know. And the first book was set uh, kind of with the background of the film festival, which I knew because I've been going to the film festival for donkey's years and the film festival had just finished a couple of weeks ago. And I wrote the book kind of as to see if I can, you know, I said, I'll see if I can write a book and I'm going to remove all the obstacles. And that's what I did. Uh, and so I just figured even in terms of things like, um, you know, names, I just put down a name, you know, if I thought of a name, I'd write it down and then I would always make, I could always make it better. But I just tried to say, stop, don't research, don't do anything, just try and write a story. Um, so that's what I did. And you make it sound so easy, though. But did you did you plot it? Like you say, you came home and you sat down on a on a Friday night. But but did you have something in your head in terms of where the story was going to go? Okay, so what I did with the first book was I came home and I it wasn't easy. So sorry if I made it sound easy. Uh, that <laughs> sort was <not> of yes, <laughs> accurate. Uh, so, uh, but I the start of it, I suppose, was was easy in that I just came home, I sat down. And I wrote about a, a woman in her office um, leaving work on a Friday evening. It's lashing rain and she comes down to the street and something happens. She meets a man and, um, and the story takes off from there. And I didn't know what the story was going to be, but I just knew that she was going to she was going to leave her office and something would happen. And because of the fact that she was um she was, she's a busy solicitor. If if this man had come into her on a wet Wednesday um, and she was going to court, she would have told him, look, there's nothing I can do for you. You have to go to the guards about this. But because it was a wet, a, a weekend, she had more time and she had more time to get sucked into the story. So I was trying to, in, in removing the obstacles for myself, I was also removing the obstacles for Finn, the character, so that she would get sucked in. And, and once she got sucked in, then I kind of, I did sort of plot it. I wrote out a page. Once I was kind of, had some idea what was going on, I wrote out a page with some sort of bullet points about what might happen. But of course it changed a lot, um, you know. And then this book, I... Um, 
I started with an with a couple of scenes in my head mm-hmm. um with with Finn um on her way to uh, meeting her boyfriend and on her way to um a concert in the marquee which is a big part of life in Corker uh, even though I think it's now kind of going to be gone soon or if it's not gone already uh, but everybody you know there's a, loads of concerts on um over about a month in the summer in Cork and you're always going to end up at one or other of them so she's on her way to a concert it's Dolly Parton concert and on the way back from the Dolly Parton gig she sees something connected to her work that she really shouldn't have seen and then the story takes off from there now I didn't really know at the beginning what was going what what the problem you know I mean I knew there was a problem um but I didn't know how the story would end up um, until kind of a good way into the book, you know, um, and that's kind of the way it has been so far, you know. Um, and that approach obviously works for you, whereas with others, they need to plot everything from the start to the end. Yeah, I've tried to do that with book three now um, and I already feel like um I'm changing it already, you know, but, but, you know, I think that's what happens as well with people who plot, as I understand it, they plot, but then they change it, you know, so uh, I haven't really, you know, I, I, I just don't know, you know, I feel like every, I read somewhere that every time you write a book, when you start a new book, you've already, you've forgotten how to write it, you know, you, you know, so I have a thing on my wall, I've done it before, I can do it again. Um, you know, uh, in my study where I where I write um, to remind me, because it's it's e- it's easy to forget that I can do it. You know, uh, it's kind of um, uh, there can be some days it goes really well, and other days then there's a real crisis of confidence, and you kind of think, oh my god, I can't do this at all. You know, um, and but you nearly it, need that affirmation, you know, to remind yeah, yourself. Exactly. So I've done it before. I can do it again. Is my one. You know. Um, so. And then just to go back to the first book, how long did it take you to write it? Uh, it took me about a year to do the first draft. Um, and then um, I kind of didn't know what to do with it then. And then I was um, on Facebook one day and Paul McVeigh, I'm sure you know Paul McVeigh or no, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, um, he, he has, does, you know, posts all these things about writing competitions and writing information. And he posted uh, that there was a, a competition, the Daily Mail um, first novel competition. So I kind of thought, oh, well, I'll enter for that. Um, so I had to send in a hard copy of the of the first, I think, three chapters or something and a, and a summary of the book. And I sent it in and I was shortlisted out of 5,000, I think top, top six of 5,000. And from that then, I didn't win it. But I was top six. And from that, then my agent, Luigi, who was one of the judges, um, asked to read the rest of the book. And then he decided to take me on as a client. And the, that's how I got my book deal. Wow. The stars really did align for you with that. Yeah, they did. So that's I was really kind of lucky, you know, I mean, I was not kind of lucky. I was mega lucky. And um, so and then but then once I, you know, once he read it, then he said, well, you know, it's too short and, you know, you're going to have to add in more stuff. And, you know, he gave me advice then. So I reworked it. And then after. Yeah. So that's the way it went. Um, so really. you entered the competition, you ended up getting an agent as a result and a publishing yes. deal as a result. Fantastic. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And in terms of that editing process then that you mentioned there, how did you find that? 
I found for the first book, I found it quite hard. Um, I found it easier with the second book because I suppose you get used to it. I, I got used to it. I knew what was involved. And I suppose the thing to remember about editing is that the point of it is to make the book better. Um, I know that when I have, you know, I've read the book so many times, I've tweaked it and twiddled with it so many times and fiddled with it that I can no longer even see the book, you know, and there could be massive mistakes and I wouldn't notice them, you know. Um, so that means you have somebody else coming in with a fresh eye and they can say, well, that doesn't really make sense or, you know, we really need to know more about this aspect of the story. And it's about trying to make the book better. So having that in front of me, uh, I kind of understand that really well. Um, and yeah, so that's why I don't think, but I've, of course then initially it is very hard. Um, you know, you get the letter or the email or whatever, and it's kind of like, oh, oh, and it's tragic <laughs> it, for about, you know, a day maybe, and then we put it aside and read it again and say, oh, look, she's right. She's 100% right. Of course, there should be more about, like I know in this one, um, I, I know I put in more about the Garda investigation, for example, Kira, my editor, who was really brilliant, um, she wants to know more about the Garda investigation and all of that. And, that. and of course, now that it's done, I see, of course, I should have put that in before, but I just kind of, because I was so focused on Finn and her troubles and trying to get her, uh, you know, and Mandy and all the rest of it. I just, uh, you, you sometimes can't see the wood for the trees, you know. Um, so that's why having an editor is just, it's essential and brilliant. And Kira was really fabulous. And, and you know, then there was like various other people who came along um, after Kira, you know, and every one of them added something. Um, because as I say, when, when you don't, um, like there was, hang on now a second. Um, yeah, like there's, yeah, Susan uh, was the copy editor and uh, Joanna Smith then also from Hachette was brilliant. And, you know, they all added, um, they all added so much, you know, it's like a, it takes a village sort of thing, doesn't it? As they say. <laughs> and you, <laughs> and you get there in the end. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm interested as well, like at what point did you decide this was going to be a series? Oh, I decided that at the beginning. Really? Uh, yeah, that's why. I, yes, you know, but that doesn't mean I ever thought it would happen. But I kind of I did. Yeah. Initially, I said. I, I kind of put her in a, in a big firm and I put, you know, I put lots of characters that I thought uh, would have, um, could, could kind of carry on with her. So that it wasn't just Finn kind of carrying the series, you know, I kind of thought by having her in that big firm, there's loads of opportunity for stories to happen there, you know, um, and um so and she has her friend Sadie who's the guard and there's loads of kind of connections that can be made like that um so yeah I, I initially envisaged a series um but that doesn't mean I wouldn't write a standalone mm -hmm. I mean I, I would do that but um that was the initial idea yeah I kind of and once I had done one of them, I was determined that I was going to do two because I just felt I have to do a second one 
And even though it had already, it had always been the intention or the hope, I really was determined that I wanted to do another one, you know. And you're on book three now and it is, book three, book is, three. is also about Finn, is it? it? It's also about Finn. Now, whether it'll be as, yeah, it, I won't say anymore, but yeah, it is. Yeah, it is also about Finn. Yeah, Finn is also there very much so in the, it opens with Finn again um as it as the first two books have you know but there's always a prologue um with a different voice you know mm-hmm. and there was in the first book and there, there there is in cruel deeds as well you know so and there is a prologue with this one as well with a different voice um and where so. are you at with that book at the moment um not as far as i would like but <laughs> you know yeah uh but i don't think uh I don't think I was ever as far as I would like with Cruel Deeds either until it was done, you know. And did you, am I right in thinking that you switched publisher at some point as well? Yeah, yeah, I've switched to Hachette and um, and like I leave, as to the details of all of that, I leave all that to Luigi, you know. Uh, he's very good at doing all that kind of stuff for me. And uh, he and everyone at LBA, um, they've been brilliant, you know, um, Alison and Amanda and they've been really great you know and um, this is a two book deal that you have at the moment with them it is yeah it is yeah Good stuff. and do you oh, think they, I mean I, I can't say enough about them really they have been amazing I mean in terms of like the book isn't even officially published and it is like I've only been to Cork but it is all over Cork I mean you just would not credit it and um, the, it's amazing the work they've done so I'm really, uh, really chuffed. And that's the thing about the books as well. Cork. Oh, my God. Yeah. Just yeah. I loved the descriptions, Catherine, because you're obviously totally in love with that city because yeah. um, they're just exquisite and just so evocative. Was that done on purpose? It was done on purpose. Yeah. Um, I kind of uh, I've said it before, but like I when I'm um, when I'm reading crime novels or anything, but especially crime novels, I'm uh, I'm an armchair traveler, you mm-hmm. know. Um, so I was I was kind of always convinced that if I liked traveling to, you know, Venice or Edinburgh or L.A. or wherever the crime novel would be or Boston um, or wherever it would be that another reader might like to travel to Cork uh, and, you know, be um, be immersed in Cork, you know. So like, for example, the Ian Rankin books, uh, the, the Rebus books, where Edinburgh is a character, that was always um, my hope that Cork would become as much of a character in these books as Edinburgh is in the Rebus books. Now, I wouldn't in any way hope to compare myself to Ian Rankin <laughs> with his kind of 75 books and so successful and everything. But that was, yeah, that's kind of, that's the bar, I suppose, you know. And um, I love the way you describe Cork. You call it a little bit cranky and awkward, but beautiful. And that's just a yeah. perfect description. Yeah, I think that's true. Yeah, it is definitely cranky and awkward, but really, really beautiful. Yeah, absolutely beautiful. I mean, it's, um, it's, like yeah it always is I mean I walk all the time around the city and there are always these amazing views that change all the time you know and the, um, and you can hear those observations in the book that that it's obviously something that that's very close to you um just darkest truths as well it was actually recommended by Graham Norton oh yeah that was amazing Fantastic. Um, I um I was uh I, I can't remember when it was but I was I was 
in the car anyway and I kept getting these phone calls and uh, eventually when I che- I wasn't answering the phone but I knew the phone was ringing and eventually I checked the phone and it turned out that he on his radio show his BBC2 radio show I know he's gone to Virgin or somewhere now but at the time it was BBC2 radio and he apparently had recommended the, the book and said that he had read it. And I know that was because his sister had given it to him for Christmas. Oh, really? And he had read it as a result of that. And yeah, so I'm very nice of his sister, you know. The book was also Cork City Library's One City, One Book. Again, your oh, debut yeah. book and to be named for that was fantastic. Yeah, that was a huge honour. Like I was, I remember I was in in my office when the email arrived um, from Patricia in the library, and I I actually cried I, really? at my desk. Oh, I was just <laughs> blown away. And that was that was kind of game changing for me then because um, it meant that so many people read the book. Not only like more people bought the book, but also it became Cork City Library's most borrowed book and all that kind of stuff. So it kind of, um, yeah, it became very, it, yeah, it became big in Cork. So like, I suppose that was a surprise for me that I knew that I thought that people from outside Cork might be interested, but then I realized actually people from Cork love reading about the city mm-hmm. and are, and also, uh, yeah, they find it kind of enjoyable to, um, to see all these adventures going on in their city, you know. And you mentioned as well earlier on Catherine Ryan Howard, who is the other fantastic crime writer, is also from Cork. So are you finding a lot of support from other writers, whether from Cork or elsewhere yeah, in Ireland? Yeah, I think that's just been amazing. Um, you know, she has been really wonderful with in terms of advice and, uh, and support and just kind of, yeah, because I, I'm a novice, obviously, compared to her. But I think then the support I've got from the welcome I've got from the other writers has been uh, not just crime writers, but, you know, all kinds of writers. They're just they've been amazing. Um, and I couldn't name them all because they have all been so good. It's just incredible, actually. Um, so it seems like, you know, um, it's not something I expected, but it, 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 they, they have been really brilliant. Um are you going to yeah. stick to crime or will you try something else? Um, no, you see, I think I I kind of feel I have written things that aren't crime and I, you know, uh, for sure I have, but I do love crime. Um, and I know that uh, in terms of sort of, I suppose, the escape and the, um, I suppose it's when you're reading a good crime novel, nothing else matters and all, you know, you've had a horrible day or a horrible week and get a good book. And it's like, we don't have to think about that now at the moment. We don't have to think about that at all, you know? And I think that's the really good thing. And I read an awful lot of crime during the recession. I mean, I've always read crime since I was a child. Um, but uh, yeah, especially during, and you know, during COVID and, oh, you know. I know, we want what, to what is, yeah, escapism. We just, uh, it's just, it's something, yeah, I love it. You know, really love it. And finally, before I let you go, one of the other things that I love about your books, short chapters. Oh, yeah. Oh, my it's God. Because there are people who have said that to me. It just makes the book, because again, most of the books that you've written are, you know, towards the 300, you know, 400 page mark, which yeah. some people can feel is, is sort of quite long. But the, with the short chapters, you just read it so quickly. 
Yeah, that's the thing. I, I kind of, that's just the way I did it. Um, and a lot of people have told me that they really like it. Um, and it's kind of, so I treat a chapter, a scene as a chapter. And then when I'm finished that scene or there's a change of focus, I just end the chapter. And that's just the way I've done. And some chapters can be really short. And then others, like, um, there, there can be some very long chapters then, occasionally very long chapters, if it's all one scene. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm a big kind of cinema and TV fan as well, you know. So I suppose I, ha yeah, I, I try and think in those terms, what's the scene, you know. Um, and I also, I always just try and kind of keep the reader turning the pages. That's what I want, you know. That's the key. Absolutely. Well, look, please uh, hurry up with book three because I thoroughly enjoyed, thoroughly enjoyed the first two. So Thank Catherine, you so much, Brida. You're, you're more you. than welcome, Catherine. Thank you for joining us here on Inside Books. And you'll find Catherine's books, Darkest Truths and Cruel Deeds online or at your local bookshop now. The next episode of Inside Books will be out soon. Just keep an eye on our Twitter feed for details. The handle is at Inside Books I-R-E. Inside Books is a unique media production with research by Cleona Plunkett. And if you'd like to hear other episodes, just search for us on the various audio platforms and don't forget to leave us a rating or review. I'm Brida Brown. Until next time, keep reading. Inside Books is a unique media production.